welcome to The Quest. My name is Alan Mulhern. Firstly, an announcement. The Quest Lecture series that I deliver is coming to the end of a seven-year cycle. In it, we have examined many of the world's great visionaries, including artists, philosophers, mystics, thinkers and scientists. On June the 25th, 2022, the final lecture of this series will be taking place. It will be a face-to-face meeting, but it will also be available by Zoom. Its title is, Are We Living in the Age of the Apocalypse? Its marketing information reads as follows. The 21st century has accelerating crises across many dimensions, economic, financial, technological, military, political, social, population expansion, alternative paradigms of the cosmos and nature, pandemic, climatic, biodiversity decline, spiritual crisis, and changes in human nature. Are these our horsemen of the apocalypse? Are we living in times that really merit this description? Are they revealing the fundamental flaws of a materialist and business civilization? What have the spiritual, the metaphysical, the psychological and the alternative paradigms dimensions to do with the enormity of the crisis? After outlining the 12 horsemen or crises, I will argue that Homo sapiens is fated to experience either radical change or a trauma to our species of great magnitude. There is no guardian angel that guarantees our existence. The creative gifts we have are extraordinary, but they are matched with a primitivism and darkness, as Carl Jung often pointed out, that can make our species unfit for planetary purpose and unworthy of the enormous evolutionary effort to produce life, consciousness and higher awareness. You're welcome to join us. This is by far the most important lecture I have given. Further details can be found at my website, alanmulhern.com, or you can write to me at thepilgrimquest at gmail.com. Okay, back to today's topic, Banishment from Eden. One of the many powerful themes compacted in the Adam and Eve story is that the emergence of consciousness is a moral problem. Genesis is saturated with a moral dimension. The very existence of consciousness is a moral dilemma. Why? From the start, the serpent is characterised as untrustworthy, dangerous to the well-being of paradise, to Adam and Eve, and therefore to this creation. Eve's first words are of a moral restriction with the most severe penalty. If they are to taste the fruit in the midst of the garden, on pain of death. Lucifer immediately challenges this, saying, on the contrary, they will be as gods and their eyes will be open. That is, God has lied to them. But both these positions are true. On eating the fruit, Eve finds it to be good rather than death-giving. After sharing it with Adam, however, indeed their eyes are opened, They realise they are naked and are ashamed. The unity with their creator is finished. They hide from him in guilt. However, the awareness and anguish of death, the sundering of the primal unity, now comes into the world. Consciousness and death are inextricably linked. Infants do not realise they are naked. 
they are not aware of themselves. Adam and Eve were at first as infants. Their emergence into self-consciousness is to be aware of themselves as separate beings. No longer one with the mother, or the garden, or God's paradise. Consciousness is presented as a crime against nature. From this perspective, self-awareness is an amazing and totally abnormal event. One, moreover, which we will see more clearly later, puts nature, this garden, this earth, into great danger. The emergence of consciousness in the biblical myth is accompanied by shame and guilt. A great loss occurred, and the consequence is great punishment. Interpreting this narrative as the birth of consciousness, the story makes sense, even from the evolutionary perspective. The biblical story in chapter 3 of Genesis continues, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Adam and Eve now hide from the Lord, since shame and doubt of a separated, discriminatory consciousness cannot bear the light of wholeness, or bear the loss of the unity from which they came. Consciousness is linked to shame. However, inevitably, we are called to account for this state of consciousness we are in. Our own desire for wholeness makes this demand. Adam admits the fear, shame and guilt of his consciousness in front of the totality that is God. God demands to know what they have done to be in this state of self-awareness that is forbidden. Although they are now aware, they do not know why they are aware. They are unaware of the purpose, if any, of this awareness. Ego consciousness is unaware of its ultimate purpose or raison d'etre. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. After guilt and shame comes blame. The ultimate cause is apparently the serpent, the treacherous Lucifer, the consciousness impulse itself. A poem. Lucifer and the Fall. Lucifer fell hard from heaven. In his pride did he choose. Challenged he the supreme power. Mighty battle did he lose. Clothed in darkness was he cast out. Down fell he upon the earth. Fallen angels his companions. Here was he at mankind's birth. The impulse into consciousness. The bringer of the light. Dread serpent in the garden. He knows what's wrong and right. With fruit of tree of knowledge, he tempted Mother Eve. 
Taste this apple if you dare. Great knowledge you'll receive. But Eve at first was cautious. This fruit must not be ate. If our God we do deceive, then death will be our fate. The fruits of all this garden are waiting to be picked, except the tree of knowledge. It is forbidden strict. But Lucifer persisted now, more weight he brought to bear. As gods on high you will become, yourself becomes aware. Taste this fruit, become divine, a world you can create. Your eyes, they will be opened wide. From slumber you awake. Thus Eve did take the apple, which Adam too did taste. In consciousness they both awoke. Heaven closed its gate. So, which of these two arguments proves to have more weight? Now death and knowledge coexist. Imprisoned freedom is our fate. Okay, Judaism, Christianity and Islam have always had a fundamental theological problem. If there is one source of everything, one good God that has created the universe, then how does darkness and evil exist? The answer of Augustine in the 5th century, believed by Christians for over a thousand years, is that evil has no independent existence. It is merely the absence of good. This is called the doctrine of privatio boni. Yet in Judaic mythology, there is only one creator. Somehow, he must be ultimately responsible for what is in the universe, or he must be much more complex than we imagined. If he is the totality, then this darkness must be in him. He might be split and have radically different sides to himself. Or is it we in our consciousness that have divided the totality into separate halves? Lucifer, from this point of view, is the split-off part of the Godhead, split by our consciousness. This is what Jung refers to in his book, Answer to Job, where he says that the divine and the demonic, the light and the dark, the positive and negative, good and evil, are usually split into opposite polar forces by our consciousness. But occasionally, as in the book of Job, these appear within the God image itself. Thus Yahweh, in the book of Job and elsewhere in the Old Testament, can appear to be just and vengeful, loving and wrathful, all good but irascible and jealous, life-giving but also life-destructive. However, as Jung points out, it is more accurate to view these opposites in the God image as a complexio oppositorum, a union of opposites. You know when Jung starts using his Latin terms that things are getting very deep. We can see that some religions have tackled this problem head-on and not ignored it. The famous yin-yang circular image in Taoist mythology, where the dark and the light are interconnected and part of one another, is one example. Another is Shiva in Hindu mythology, who holds the fire of destruction in one hand and the drum of creation in the other. Since this myth is at the foundation of Judaism, passed on to Christianity, 
we may observe its many consequences. Developing light, light motifs in the symphony of Western and Near Eastern consciousness. The doctrine of original sin. The fallen state of humanity. The necessity for redemption. The misogyny that saturates these cultures, to name but a few. The biblical myth of the origins of the world is really a myth of the origins of consciousness, constructed by a particular culture. It was written around 800 to 500 BC, and is the most radical myth of the emerging patriarchal religions and civilizations of that time. That is, those that believed in a transcendent moral god. Nature, sexuality and reproduction are repressed. This myth is founded on a severe rupture from the mythologies of the Great Mother, which now constituted the repressed unconscious of the emerging patriarchal psyche. That is, one set of myths replaced the previous ones, rather like in Greece where the Olympian myths, Zeus and so on, replaced those of the Titans. The myth of the fall in the biblical traditions expresses an intuition that human consciousness emerged then as a separation from a state of nature and the unconscious. A trauma occurred in Eden, which led to the rupture of the primal unity, leading to a banishment from the garden. Paradoxically, we are both victims and perpetrators. On the one hand, this happened to us, it was not our fault. On the other, we willed it, and therefore we are the cause. The Garden of Eden, a state of fullness, of neither work nor worry, is replaced by a state of anxiety. How will one survive? One must labour, plan, toil and bear sorrow. Anguish and guilt, sorrow and anger emerge. Defiance and exhilaration also occur, as well as courage and stoicism. The human condition for the Christian world was founded on this original sin, which was inherited by every human being and hence a longing to return to Eden. For example, the opening lines of Milton's great poem, Paradise Lost, begin, Of man's first disobedience, and the fruit of that forbidden tree, whose mortal taste brought death into the world, and all our woe, with loss of Eden, till one greater man restore us, and regain the blissful seat, Sing, heavenly muse. Those are the opening lines to Paradise Lost, which is an epic poem in blank verse by John Milton, written in the 17th century, and consists of 10 books with over 10,000 lines of verse. Incredibly, he was blind at the time, and it was written by others, that is, amanuenses, which was popularly supposed to include his daughters. It's worth using the internet, taking a look at a painting done in 1794, which is very atmospheric, by a Swiss-born English painter, Henry Fuseli, called Milton Dictating to His Daughter. This theme, the fall from the Garden of Eden and the return to the Heavenly Father, dominates Christian consciousness. Such ideas are not confined, however, to Jewish and Christian consciousness, though the biblical myth is their most severe expression. By way of similarity, in Greek myth, 
the Promethean act of stealing fire from the gods is punished. This myth tells of the Titan, Prometheus, who created mankind from clay, and then, despite Zeus's prohibition, stole fire, that is consciousness, life, from the gods to bring these figures alive. For this act, Zeus sent Pandora's jar into the world to be opened with all its horrors. He also had Prometheus chained to a rock with an eagle eating his liver by day, which regrew by night. What an extraordinary torture. I can only suppose that the eagle that was torturing him reminded him of a higher power in the heavens. After all, Prometheus had to ascend to the heavens to steal the fire. Both these myths, the Judaic and the Greek, indicate that the achievement of consciousness is an act of defiance, as if a crime against nature. There are forces, prohibitions in the myth against it. That is the gaining of consciousness. It brings dark consequences to the world and to the human psyche, which now splits. There is also a distant hint that this is meant to be, that there must be a purpose in the banishment a result of this fall into consciousness. In the Greek myth, Zeus feels threatened that his rule might end. Zeus offers to free Prometheus if he will foretell what it is that will bring him down. In the Christian story, Adam and Eve are banished to prevent them eating the fruit of the second tree, the tree of life, as if Yahweh is threatened by this also. Consciousness breaks the participation mystique, the immersion of the psyche in nature and the enclosed system of the unconscious with its ruling dominance, fertility, power, reproduction, lunar cycles, rebirth, etc. At the same time, mankind reaches for transcendent realisation, the tree of life, but is prevented by Yahweh, who now exiles them from Eden. Thus, transcendence, we suggest, is not available until the challenge of death is faced. And therefore, banishment into death awareness is a necessary development and fate. In infant development, this occurs psychologically as a break from the mother, a separation from the original state of oneness. Out of a dual unity, a separating consciousness centred in the ego develops. This template of a state of unity, followed by a state of separation and division, is universal in human experience, because it symbolically tells a story of the birth of human consciousness of every individual. It is also a frequent existential experience that we feel alienated from our own selves, from our deep nature, from the earth, and the divine by virtue of our consciousness. Love Friendship, family systems, intimate relationships of all kinds are ways of trying to overcome this experience of separateness and isolation within our own being by creating a unity in love. Back to the text of Genesis which continues. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. 
and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and following. Comment. Sin comes into the world. The fallen state is one of punishment for an offence of humans against God. Human consciousness is now split into opposition between its higher and lower nature. The text continues, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 and following. Comment. Domination of the female by the male is legitimised. The female is seen as a danger to higher male consciousness. Consciousness, therefore, further splits between the male and the female. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 Comment. Man was weak to listen to the female side of his nature. Mankind is condemned to remain in consciousness. All humans are subject to this original sin, as Augustine was later to call it, inherited by the whole race in Christian mythology. The primal unity is broken forever. Death awareness grips consciousness. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. Comment. Adam and Eve are our primal parents. The original sin will be inherited by all mankind. That is, ego consciousness is universalised across the whole human race. And therefore, a break from the primal unity with the unconscious is its consequence. Clothes are given to Adam and Eve to cover their shame, since Judaic consciousness interprets the original sin as a sexual one, indicating the deep sexual repression of this culture. Nevertheless, it is also possible to interpret the above passage as having elements of love. Adam for his wife Eve, the mother of all living, and the Lord for them both, giving them clothing. Out of the pain of death comes the higher awareness of the response of love as the only answer. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. 
So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. Comment. It now transpires that not one, but two trees are forbidden in the garden. The first was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that is, the movement into consciousness. This already has godlike status. The second is the tree of life, an astounding new development, eternal life we may suppose. To prevent mankind achieving this, Adam and Eve are twice banished from the garden. God's sentries, the cherubims with flaming swords, guard the tree of life. Thus, the emergence into the life of consciousness, a defiant but creative act, is marred by death awareness. Life and death, creation and destruction, are the templates of our consciousness. Nature, this scheme of things, this evolution, the story of creation, is a mixture of opposites. The meaning of the tree of life can be seen within the context of the Abrahamic religions and particularly Christianity although it is in many religions. It indicates that eternal life, which can be interpreted symbolically as the experience of wholeness, totality, transcendence, gnosis, enlightenment, is not available in earthly life, that is, in this consciousness. Christianity later modified this position by claiming that it is possible to pass through a veil of tears in this world to achieve heaven in the next Thus, the eternal life possibility is created by the death of Jesus Christ, who opened the gates of hell so that souls could be released into heaven. These positions embody the severity of Judaism and Christianity, but are not typical in the East, where enlightenment is possible in this body, on this earth, where the eternal, the deathless state, can be experienced as a spiritual state in this life. The tree of life, eternal life, is the possibility of transcendence here and now on this earth and in this consciousness. The reason why Adam and Eve are prevented from reaching the tree of life is that they, the human race, must pass through death consciousness, the fallen state before enlightenment is possible. We have, in the 20th and 21st centuries, reached this decisive point in our evolution, since we can destroy all human and perhaps all other life on this planet. We are now on the verge of possible extinction, and the death potential in our consciousness may now be realised by the technologies we possess. Only if we can pass through the gates of death and find a solution to our darkness can we achieve a transcendental connection to our destiny, the tree of life, the deathless state. Finally, a poem on banishment. Get ye gone, O wretched sinners, 
from this garden banished be. Tree of knowledge now is tasted. Suffer hence your destiny. Consciousness is now awakened. Self-awareness is your fate. Constant guilt is your companion. Time from now is getting late. Labour now is your obsession. Count its long hours all your days. Fear of hunger ever drives you. Now you keep the wolf at bay. Paths of knowledge must be taken. Once you've tasted of its fruit. Blind you are, you go on searching. Feeling safe is your pursuit. Tree of life is strict forbidden. Way is barred by flaming sword. Greater knowledge is quite hidden. Weep, repent unto your Lord. Unity with your Creator now is sundered, all seems doomed. Consciousness is now shame-ridden, pained by anguish of its wound. Into death you shall be banished, pain and anguish be your lot. From here on your days are numbered, escape from judgment you cannot. Darkness now your mind will cover, over earth then will you roam. Heart in sadness will hence suffer, you are aliens in your home. But know this secret, meagre earthlings, not entirely lost you are. Great the gifts that you are given. In you is a guiding star. Set your compass to this true light. Bear your loss and weep your tears. You have a heart. You have a soul. Still your mind. Calm your fears. Mm-hmm.